With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Fake Teams. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined, as always, by Just Clark Barnes and Mr. Class Jordan Smith. Guys, this is a funky new podcast because both Jordan and I are recording in new locations. Jordan doesn't have his sexy-ass headboard behind him. I don't have my weird, dungy uh, guest room behind me. I don't know what to make of this. Well, I wanted people to believe my sources, so I had to switch it up a little bit. Yeah, the strangest hate I've ever seen on Twitter. Not going to believe a guy who does his podcast from his bed. Hey, it makes sense. What? I had to change my podcasting now from a couch next to, uh, next to, my, next to my parents' poodle so that, so that my sources are now believed. I too am sitting next to a, an animal that's an not animal? mine. <laughs> oh, look at that. Um, anyways, we are, of course, we have lots to talk about in the football world. We are going to be obviously covering the news. Um, and then we've decided to take a very, very early look at, uh, fantasy drafts. It's never too soon to start drafting. We, and we'll talk about, to talk about more about why, but, uh, looking at some players who we keep kind of drafting, uh, we then have one entry in the mailbag. And kudos and budos. Oh, my goodness, you guys. It's going to be a filled but efficient show. That's my plan. That's the best plan. Boom. So let's start with the news around the NFL. We'll start off with a big-time trade. Uh, the Jets, unsure as to whether or not the quarterback of the future was going to fall into their lap at number six, decided, hey, you know what? Let's put all of our cojones on the table. Let's make the move. Let's do this. Let's be committed. Let's let's save the franchise right here, right now. Uh, the Jets traded the number six pick and three second rounders to Indy to move up three spots to number three. Uh, Clark, we talked about this a little bit before the show, before Jordan slowly uh, and inevitably got on to join us. But uh, so let's start with you, Jordan. What are your any thoughts on this trade? Do you, are you now are the Jets now set? Do they have their quarterback for the future and will never be mocking the Jets anymore? Well. To add to that, word on the street, I saw this today, was that the uh, the Jets were actually trying to move up to one uh, from the Cleveland Browns, but apparently they couldn't put a good enough package together. But the Colts, freaking, I thought this was a highway robbery for the Colts. I mean, they already have a quarterback, maybe. We miss you, Andrew Luck. But also, they only moved back like three spots. So that's great for them. The Jets, they just better know who they want. Uh Cleveland and New York could easily take two quarterbacks. So they better be okay with like the third best QB on the board. Um, I'm excited for that because it pushes a lot of good defenders down the draft board a little bit. My thought is twofold. One, I agree with you. And this is what Clark and I kind of talked about before we start before the show, um, that this is a brilliant move by Chris Ballard as his like first kind of big decision as a Colts GM. 
right here, like you were saying, Jordan, like with presumably at least three quarterbacks, probably two, but are most likely three, possibly just two. At anyways, it's going to push talent down the board. And the Colts sitting at six now, you could still end up with Saquon Barkley. You could still end up with Bradley Chubb. You could still end up with Minka Fitzpatrick. Like you could still end up with top round blue chip talent that you could immediately plug in. And because the Colts are in a unique situation where they don't need a quarterback, but they literally need everything else. And so whatever falls, falls. And that's great for them. I also think that this means that the Jets don't I think the quarterback that the Jets are high on is not either Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold. I think they are high on Baker Mayfield or or maybe Josh Allen. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the absolute BS that we're going to hear on draft night from at least two teams in the top 4 of like, "Oh, so and so was the number 1 on our board. We knew what we were doing. We got the guy we wanted." We nailed it. Bullshit. Like <laughs> No, you didn't. Textbook coach speak. Textbook GM speak. Yeah, you got the guy I, that was left, which is fine. But right. just don't tell me that he was number one, and you know we're going to hear it. Bill Pullian, we're calling you out because Bill Pullian's going to you sh- you know is going to come out in like fifteen years and be like, "Well, Lamar Jackson was the top of my board. Everyone should have drafted him first overall." Yeah, I agree with you too, Pete. In that, um, I, I think it's a great move by Chris Ballard for the Colts because the. Day two is going to be, I think, my favorite day of the draft this year with the second and third round because there are going to be some like quality NFL starters in that second round. Um, I'm trying to, I'm looking at the draft order right now, and th- the Jets, I guess, must have just been afraid that Denver was going to pick their quarterback Kitty because I mean, <laughs> that beer is mine. Um, <laughs> because otherwise, they're just jumping Cleveland and Denver, really. So. Yeah, I I think that I think their worry was that was that Denver Denver was going to take a quarterback. It was going to take their quarterback. I think that that has to be the worry. And so and that's why I guess I assume that it's not Josh Rosen or um Sam Darnold that they were they were invested in. I think they tried to trade up to number 1 because then you get your pick of the litter and and it doesn't matter, but I have a hard time believing that you're going to make that kind of commitment that kind of sacrifice to get up to three and be kind of cool with whatever quarterback falls into your lap. I think the quarterback that they want, the one that they're like super high on, uh, they were worried was going to go to Denver at five and wasn't going to make it to them at six. So yeah, going to be really interesting to see what the Colts do that unique position of being at the top of the draft and not needing a quarterback. I, I just, I have decided that Andrew Luck is going to come back and that's how I'm going to move forward this offseason. I could be wrong. I, I don't have any special insider information, uh, but the Colts just need shots because their roster is, I mean, they have T.Y. Hilton, Andrew Luck, and that's about it. That's it. So they need and guys. They keep getting mocked uh, Bradley Chubb, and this could still push Bradley Chubb to six. Totally. Grab Quentin Nelson. That's a pretty good value at six either way before Tampa can get their hands on him. It's it's a good move for the Colts. And, and the thing is be excited. And and finally, they could also even if for whatever, like let's say, you know, let's say that uh the Browns take Sam Darnold and and at two the Giants go non-quarterback, and then the Jets take Josh Rosen at three, suddenly. Sorry, I'm a little sick. Suddenly, the the Colts again at six with 
you know, whomever getting pushed down the list, Baker Mayfield or uh, Josh Allen or like whatever your whatever your presumed third quarterback is, you now have the Bills who have been stockpiling picks in order to make moves up or even the Broncos wanting to flip or the Broncos are at five, I guess. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyways, if any of those top four quarterbacks is there sitting at six, you could see a team like the Bills or a team like Arizona maybe giving up a crap ton of picks to try to get there. And the Colts, again, just needing bodies, um, could trade down again and, and get more draft capital. So, anyways, it'll be a very exciting, uh, has the potential to be a very exciting top 10 picks and a day one. Yeah, this will be a draft that I'm definitely going to go out and watch. The draft yeah. is an event when it's interesting like this, and I am just so interested in what the Giants are going to do at number two. Which is crazy because normally when it's pre you know predestined to have a quarterback taken at one, no one really cares. You're like, oh, this is going to be a boring draft. We know what's happening. But I think that the still the insecurity as to whether or not the Giants are going to do the right thing, which is take a quarterback at two. Um, we'll see. Leaves a lot to uh, leaves a lot to excitement. Uh, moving on in the news, the Ravens are stockpiling wide receivers like a madman uh, and signed X Raiders Michael Crabtree. So that's a good move, I guess. Gives them a veteran to pair alongside their new uh, newly acquired John Brown. But my question to you guys is this: Basically, the Raiders released Michael Crabtree in order to sign Jordy Nelson. Um, Clark, we'll start with you. Which receiver would you rather have for 2018? I mean, this one's so tough. If it's Jordy of two years ago, this is an incredibly stupid question. But if we're looking at what these guys did last year, I would rather have Crabtree. I this one's baffling to me. I think at best you just kind of traded like for like, and it, yeah. I mean, I, I guess if I had to pick, I'm picking Jordy because I've loved Jordy for years. But it's close. Yeah, it's just it's it's such an interesting move to me. Like it would make sense to, if you're losing Crabtree and you're gaining back. I'm trying to think of who's like the second or third tier, maybe Sammy Watkins or Alan Hearns. Hearns. Right. If you brought in a kind of younger, talented receiver to replace Michael Crabtree with totally makes sense, but you're replacing Michael Crabtree with another veteran receiver and one who is coming off of a very poor season. And Michael Crabtree had a very good season last year. I feel like that goes unnoticed or or underappreciated is Michael Crabtree's role and production in that Raiders offense. Yeah, I'm a little worried about what Oakland is doing, like as far as roster construction. So I feel like John Gruden, I mean, he was, yeah, he was away from the game for a while, but now I just feel like he's just bringing in players that he's liked over the past couple of years and not really people who are going to help his team. Like Michael Crabtree was with the Mari Cooper's drop issues last year, he was like the only solid weapon that the Oakland Raiders offense had, and now he's gone and you replace him with Jordy. Who's lost a step. They, I don't know if they signed Eric Decker, but they brought him in for a visit, which, which is, is a little, another, not a good move. <laughs> just no, don't do that. Oakland. Yeah. I don't, I really don't know, but yeah, I don't, I would rather have Crabtree fantasy and otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, in other Raiders news, the Patriots traded for Corderell Patterson and you guys, I just want to bring this up because I, lest we forget the last time the Patriots traded for a Raiders receiver who was actually drafted by the Vikings worked out pretty well for the Patriots. And, you know, maybe it'll work out equally as well. Maybe the Patriots just got their hands on uh, Randy Moss 2007 again. Who knows? Who's to say? Um, but in reality, 
this is the Patriots, I think, just made this move in order to replace the punt returning and kick returning ability of Deion Lewis and Danny Amendola. They didn't have uh, Cyrus, jo- Cyrus Jones is, I guess, is a second, third year cornerback now uh, who's who used to return punts, return punts in college, but he is had fumble issues. Um, I, as a Patriots fan, love the move because Cordell Patterson is is a freaking game breaker and and has the elite punt returning and kick returning skills that can change a game in a heartbeat. But I would not expect anything out of this from any kind of fantasy and or actual receiving production. Yeah, this isn't like a uh, what was that year two thousand four what. 2010 when they had Randy Moss. This isn't going to be seven, baby. Seven. This is 32 touchdowns. Yeah, this isn't going to be Patriots Air Raid 2.0. This is just a smart football move by Bill Belichick to get somebody to help on special teams because I feel like they're one of the only teams that pays attention to those small little details like field position, even though that should be a high priority for everyone. So that's just, I mean, get Tom Brady a shorter field. Why not? Yeah, and the Patriots have shown that they will pick someone to do one thing. And the one thing with Cordell Patterson is you're getting a great returner and you're also getting a good kind of gunner on the on the kick coverage team. And they just understand you need someone good on your roster to do this. And instead of just picking the best also-ran cornerback we have, we're going to go out and get someone that we want to do this role. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> moving on to the next bullet point in the news. Clark called it last episode, you guys, and I can't help but agree that they are currently doing this. The Jaguars really steering into the we fucking suck category. Uh, they cut Mercedes Lewis and Alan Hurds. Clark, give us your your scathing take about the uh, genius that that is the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. I mean, Mercedes Lewis is fine. He's getting up there in age, and I understand letting him go. It- that's fine. But cutting Alan Hearns is really the baffling thing to me. It's not like they have a plethora of wide receivers that, and they're just, they got so many guys there that they're not going to be able to get them the ball. I think what we saw at Alan Hearns a couple of years ago is really inspiring. He played through some injuries last year and still looks pretty good. And you just let him walk and not for any immediate cap reasons. I don't, I don't get this one either. Oh, I was going to say, I thought it was a smart front office move by the Jags. <laughs> I'm going in the complete This also just direction. continues with the thought that Jordan is all aboard the Jaguars and Clark just hates everything that's happening. This is a beautiful, a beautiful battle that is shaping up. It's the well, yin and yang. Exactly. Because I think the Jaguars actually have like a weird log jam at wide receiver and Alan Hearns, he was going to be like 7 million on the cap. If they paid him this year and the following year is like nine and a half or so because his contract was just really bad but none of that is guaranteed so he has zero dead cap money and they have uh marquise lee who broke out last year dante moncrief is on a one-year prove it deal and i really really like dd westbrook i'm super i don't know why he's just one of those guys that after like watching some college tape from him coming into the draft last year i just really started to like him he i think he like led the nation in catches or receptions some some weird stat like that but i was like oh that's somebody to watch and i i just really like him so i think he's gonna have a bigger role this year i i have to say that i'm kind of the more and more that the jaguars are being the jaguars i find myself leaning more and more towards clark line of thinking uh it's one thing to give dante moncrief a one-year prove-it deal it's another thing to make that one-year prove-it deal entirely guaranteed and make him this second 
player to receive a fully guaranteed contract. Not so sure I understand the reasoning behind that. You don't sign Allen Robinson. Yeah. And you do sign Dante Moncrief. To a one-year fully guaranteed prove-it deal. I don't know. I don't know, Jaguars. Show me me that you guys are making good decisions. Just show me that you're making good decisions with your money. Yeah, that Moncrief deal should have been a little bit more incentive-laden and not just, here is $10 million. We trust you. Uh, Moving on. This is this is we're now reaching the point of the news where it's basically this is just the Clark's Avenue of emotion, I guess, because we we already got to the Jaguars, which gets Clark very hype. Now we have to quickly bring Clark's mood down um, before we get him hyped up again. Danny Woodhead, after getting cut by the Baltimore Ravens, has decided to call it a career. Cue the sad music. Danny Woodhead retires. Uh, Clark, I know Jordan did not give a nice eulogy to Jordy in last week's podcast. I gave a delightful tear-jerking eulogy uh, to Malcolm Butler at the end of last week's podcast. Here's your 30 seconds to give your eulogy to the to the career of Danny Woodhead. Danny Woodhead is the underdog story. Nobody wanted him. He's too little. You know, why guys can't play running back? It's just he was a system player with the Patriots and then he went to the Chargers and just killed it out there and and ended up eventually just, I think, being too small. Just kept getting hurt, and there's a bunch of giant men that play football, and when you're 5'8", that's just tough. And he was one of the toughest guys around, and I guess the silver lining here is that for the first time in seven years, I will not be overdrafting Danny Woodhead. This is what it took for Clark not to overdraft Danny Woodhead, him to retire. I'm still thinking about it. It's still, hey, you could draft him in the in the fifteenth round, and then that way you can be able to use his name in the uh, in the titling of your team. It's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that's the biggest contribution that Danny Woodhead has ever had for me. Is just solid, solid fantasy football name options. It does. I had him and Dak uh, on the same team last year, and I believe my team name was woodhead dak penis joke or something like that (laughs) because there was just lots to work with there uh but as promised we are bringing clark's mood right back up because we saved the best for last after i was sure that my new england patriots were going to go out and after doing nothing in free agency make a big old splash and uh, address their secondary which they did by trading for Jason McCourty. So the McCourty twins are now together for the first time in the NFL. So I'll take that as a win. But instead, the Houston Texans signed Tyrone Mayhew, the honey badger, safety going to Houston. Clark, on a scale of one to Super Bowl championship, here we come. What's your mood? Oh, Super Bowl championship, here we come. Of course. This is the first time I've ever been excited about the Texans because the Texans have just never had a quarterback. And this year... You're, you're just crossing your fingers and praying that Deshaun Watson comes back and is even 80% of what we saw with that tremendous run that he had last year. Uh, and then getting to Ron Matthew is a great bonus because uh, the Texans have made a lot of moves this year to just get better where they were terrible last year. They signed a couple of good middle-of-the-road offensive linemen, signed a couple of good middle-of-the-road defensive backs, and they were terrible in these areas last year. Uh, picking up Matthew is the nice kind of cherry on top of a dynamic playmaker to play behind what could be an incredibly vicious pass rush. That's just a recipe for success. I mean, that's not, that's how a safety ends up with 
10 interceptions and you had him for the one year is 7 million. And then someone else goes crazy and pays him next year. Uh, the Texans have talent at the skill positions, like, you know, wide receiver, you can find running backs. I believe that, but the defensive line is fantastic. So we've, we've really just been waiting for a quarterback and I was already really excited for that, but to see them go out and make a move and get a play like her, like Matthew, I just, I'm really, really excited for the Texans this year. On paper, this defense is terrifying because you, because like you were saying, with that front seven, even just that front four, I mean, a healthy JJ Watt, Jadavion Clowney, Whitney Merciless, and you have all of that. And then you've got a uh, developing um, Zach Cunningham and. Bernard um, McKinney's a thumper. Yeah. He knows yep. how to play. He's a good, solid football player. And now you're putting, and now you're putting, oh my God, now you're putting Honey Badger in that secondary who will come down, play in the slot, who will, you know, play, can play roaming free safety, can blitz off the edge, can hit, can tackle, can, and can play the ball. I, I think that if everything, everyone stays healthy and everything plays out the way we expect it should, uh, it would be very disappointing to me if this defense was not top three. Right for yeah. the season to start. They are going to be super talented. And if JJ stays healthy, I know Tyron Matthew has had some injury issues in the past, but it kind of seems a little bit fluky. It doesn't seem like he's a fragile type of player. And I know Houston doesn't have like first or second round picks this year, but that is completely worth it. If you've got Deshaun Watson, who I am super, super high on. So just, well, it's also the wave, man. I mean, I think you, you see that exact uh, impact in their free agency, right? They're willing to go out, get Tyron Matthew, get him in the building for, you know, a, whatever, a one year deal, but you're willing to take whatever comes with him, which I don't think there's anything that really comes with him. I don't know why teams weren't so, I don't know why teams didn't jump on the bandwagon right from the get-go. I'm amazed that he only got $7 million for one year. Um, but that's why you go out and get him. That's why you go out and address him because of the fact that you don't have the draft capital that maybe you necessarily did. So you got to go out in free agency and make an impact there. Yeah, and they're in a good spot with the cap. So they have a lot of money. Uh, they're going to have to pay Jadavian Clowney. That's his uh, fifth-year option this year. And the Texans have made a habit out of signing their first-round stars after they pick up their fifth year option. And after camp starts, uh, I think last year, a couple years ago, Deandre Hopkins tried to play some games and not report. And ownership said, Hey, if you report, like just report, we're not going to tell you anything good is going to happen if you report. But in the past, people that have reported and not caused us a bunch of problems have gotten deals. So he just missed a couple of days and then came into camp and they gave a really nice deal. I think we're going to see that with Jadavian Clowney this year. I think they're in a good position to front load his deal for two or three years. Give him something like, I know this is going to sound weird, but the cap keeps going up something like 120 million over six years. But the last three years are going to be like 18, $19 million team options. So, and then we're going to have, you know, they're going to have to sign Deshaun Watson after that. So they have the opportunity now to give a lot of money to Clowney to really keep this team together for three or four years. And, you know, you get the Russell Wilson effect of if we have this young quarterback who's making $2 million, like this is the window for us to take advantage of. Right. Totally. Uh, finally, a little defensive line news. Uh, since this is a fantasy podcast, I pushed this all down to the bottom. But the Vikings signed uh, Sheldon Richardson. Love that signing for the Vikings. And and the uh, and the possible move that should be making the entire NFC West shit themselves. And Dominick Sue is visiting the Rams because, yeah, sure, 
Let's uh, in a secondary with Akeem Talib and Marcus Peters pair and Sue with Aaron Donald. Like that's a great idea. Good Lord. Sam Bradford is literally going to die on national television if that happens. But anyways, there's your defensive line news. That's just, that's just not fair. Aaron Donald is arguably the best defensive tackle in football. And Dominican Sue, he was, you know, lost in Miami collecting checks. But when he was next to Nick Fairley in Detroit, I had to deal with Dominican Sue shit for years as a Packers fan. He's, and, and he wasn't even bad in Miami. He was still a top five defensive tackle in Miami. He just wasn't as flashy, but still yeah. was a phenomenal run stopper and was able to get to the next to the passer. If I'm a Dominican Sue, I don't understand how I'm going to any other team other than LA. It just doesn't. It, being able to play next to Aaron Donald with a second, like Marcus Peters and Akeem Talib must be pooping themselves if they have the p- possibility of having arguably two of the best pass rushing defensive tackles of the last five, 10 years on the same team. That's absurd. If he's, if he's motivated and he has Wade Phillips lighting a fire under his ass every week, then it's, it's over for the it's NFC West. Come on. So scary for the NFC West. Yeah. I mean, Sue wants to play for money though. Which is not bad. That is not a disparaging comment. Right. But he knows that he's got 10 years, if he's lucky, and he's shown that he's going to maximize his deal. I am just hoping he doesn't do that because I don't want there to be conversation about the best defensive line. I want it to just definitely be the Texans. You just definitely want it to be the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) (laughs) That's my response to Jordan's comment. Um, Hey, they're going to be scary this year, man. You watch. I'll, I'll watch. Excellent. Well, there's the news for you. Um, we decided to take a very, very early look at kind of uh, at fantasy drafts and just kind of players that we do. And sure, it's early, uh, but we need to generate and create content so everyone can suck it. Um, we've talked about MFL 10s on this podcast before. That was kind of the inspiration behind this. Both Clark and I have been doing them. Um, maybe Jordan's got into the action since then. Um but at the very least, it's just kind of early draft strategy without now that free agencies happen, that probably changes some things. But basically, it's just a couple of players who in mocks have been keep uh, being available to us um, and you take them every single time. So I'll start with an example just to kind of show off what the uh, what the kind of thought process here is. And I'll start off with Alan Robinson, who every single time in every mock that I've done. Uh, and I have done a few, even though it's you know months and months and months before football starts. Robinson is sitting there at the start of the fourth, and I absolutely love that. Uh, I just did a draft today where I got Michael Thomas at 111, Melvin Gordon at 202, Carlos Hyde at 311, and then Robinson at 402. I love those first four picks. Uh, I think Allen Robinson sitting in the beginning of the fourth round, I will take that every single day, even with Mitchell Trubisky. I, I love that value, and I think he would be uh, I w- as perfect. Perfect. I'm 100% on board with it. Yeah, he's a good fourth-round pick. The upside is, you know, top 10 wide receiver, and you're getting him late. The downside is Mitchell Trubisky struggles, and it takes him five or six weeks to get back, and he's just a decent fourth-round pick. But that's something to keep in mind when we're talking about where you're getting someone in the draft. In the fourth round, Julio and Antonio Brown and Odell aren't available anymore. So let's not make that comparison. But I like it. It's a good pick. Yeah, and I guess for me, the biggest thing that I always like is I tend to find myself once, especially if I am later in the draft um, or kind of even middle of the draft, I always find myself around the fourth and fifth rounds. I feel like, oh, God, like I, I don't really know what my next move is. I don't know who 
I feel like there's this kind of weird in between where I'm like, I don't want to take the guy like the the low rated guys who I'm super high on that early. But I also there's no one there who's like really appeals to me right now. Um, and so for me, it's really nice knowing that in most mocks that I've done, I know for fourth round, Allen Robinson sitting there for me and I love that pick. And so now I just have to worry about what the hell I'm going to do in the fifth. Yeah, if you can get a uh, number one wide receiver in the fourth round, I mean, that's pretty solid. If he if he can return back to uh, what was it fifteen touchdown Allen Robinson that's right. great I love it yeah we'll talk some draft strategy uh, d- throughout the season but I just want to touch on uh, if I'm picking in the fourth round and the guys that I like should go a lot later I don't care I'm gonna reach for the guys that I want ADP means nothing to me other than unless I know I can get him around later I'm taking the I'm taking the guy I want I don't care that's fair. That's fair. We'll have, well, I'm sure we'll have lots of discussion about draft because that is definitely something for me that I need to work on is giving less shits about ADP and being like, Hey, you know what? I think this person is going to be awesome. Let's do this. Um, so anyway, yeah, keep in mind, Pete does well in our fantasy contests <laughs> and I enjoy our fantasy. Contests. And I have fun. Uh, Clark, give us your first player who seemingly keeps popping up in drafts that you're happy about. So we touched on this earlier. I am working under the circumstances that I have just made up and chose to believe that Andrew Luck is going to be back this year. So T.Y. Hilton in MFL 10s is number 31 overall. So if you're picking in the middle of the draft, you're getting T.Y. Hilton in the third round as your you know, second wide receiver or first wide receiver with a killer running back lineup. I know that T.Y. Hilton didn't have a great year last year, but he had a good year on a team that's picking four, fifth? What, where are the Colts picking? Six. I know we just talked about Six. this for like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so T.Y. Hilton's a very good football player. And when Andrew Luck comes back, we're going to see the T.Y. Hilton that we saw play with Andrew Luck for that couple of years. So him going in the middle of the third, I think, is just absolutely stealing. Yeah, he is someone who in in past drafts that I've had keeps popping up around a little bit earlier than Allen Robinson. Um, and I've always I've always been like ah do i really want to pull the trigger on ty and i need to i need to look back again i need to remember him with andrew luck where he was just like immensely dynamic immensely explosive and was a huge fantasy football uh boss and and be like all right trust andrew luck's going to be there trust andrew luck's going to be happy uh, uh healthy and happy let's hope he's happy uh pull the trigger and let's go with ty in the third because yeah because i mean Two years ago, T.Y., or even three or three years ago, T.Y., that's a wide receiver one right there, and you're happy with that. Yeah, initially, when you think of T.Y. Hilton, you think of, like, this burner. But before Andrew Luck went down, he was on his way to just becoming a complete all-around wide receiver. And I have to tell myself to think about him more in those terms. Um, little fun fact about T.Y. Hilton, I, I may be wrong about this, but I'm like 75% sure I'm right. Him and Antonio Brown played some Pop Warner football together. So, ooh, I think you're right. I do I do vaguely rec- uh, feel like that was a, a factoid that was shared at some point. So, that's, you know, just got to think of so T.Y. more complete like Antonio. Think of T.Y. as Antonio Brown. So, you're basically getting mm-hmm. Antonio Brown in the third round. That's a steal. Yep. Just just wait for him to drop. Just wait for him to drop. Uh Jordan, who's the player that keeps appearing that you that you'd love to take? So a little context for a lot of my fantasy football drafts. 
they mainly have to be participated with a bunch of Wisconsinites. So <laughs> there's a lot of Packer fans that are involved. Usually, if I don't have a, a top pick, Aaron Rodgers is going in the first round. Like, God. like two through pick two through six, like guaranteed Aaron Rodgers is going to go. That's that's just the way it is. So that's one QB off the board. And then because he's off the board, Russell Wilson, who played at Wisconsin, is probably going to be the next quarterback off the board. So by that point, I'm just like, whatever. People have got their quarterbacks, and I'm just going to sit and I'm going to wait. So usually around – six or seven maybe i'll start thinking about a qb because there's still a lot of like solid production guys there and for whatever reason the past couple years i just always end up with philip rivers and i i always like playing with him no matter no matter what no matter if his receivers go down um i always kind of wish he had like a a better situation keenan allen coming back this year was just fantastic but uh yeah philly rivers man he's always just one of those guys that just pops up later in the draft because QBs in my leagues, the the top two or three that you think of always just go like in the first or second rounds because of that Aaron Rodgers push. Yeah. I, I play in a lot of leagues where QB is valued more than it is in just standard ESPN and Yahoo leagues. And I know everyone talks about late QB and you should always wait on QB and, and maybe everyone else's home leagues are different, but I'm in the same boat of after the first two rounds, three or four quarterbacks are gone. If I'm ever in a draft where I don't really like what's happening in the third round and Tom Brady is there or Russell Wilson is still sticking around, that's my bail pick of like, I don't like all these running backs with question marks or all these wide receivers in bad situations. I'm just going to pick a solid quarterback and not have to worry about it. But if I do wait, I always seem to end up with Phillip Rivers as like the head of the committee and then guessing on someone like Andy Dalton who don't laugh is generally pretty good. Last year had a very bad year, but you know, was number four in the league or something a while ago. So I, I like picking Philip Rivers late and then seeing what else you can stream with him. Philip Rivers is like the epitome of the Chargers in the sense of the team of the Chargers, where it's just like they're just there and you forget about them, and then you suddenly are like, oh shit, they're good. Like they are actually a talented team. Like Philip Rivers is that guy who you plug in. He's not going to do anything fancy. He's not going to do anything flashy. And in fact, when I wrote right after the end of this last NFL season, I went through and I determined the most consistent players at each position. Philip Rivers was the most consistent fantasy quarterback. He was consistently getting you at least, I believe it was at least 12 points was my, no, 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 at least uh, 17 points was my cutoff. I think, um, and so consistent production from him. He is the perfect quarterback in my mind of you take him in the sixth or seventh. And then in like the 13th or 14th, you take a quarterback who you think could be huge. You take like a Carson Wentz last year, or you take like, you know, you take a risk on someone you take uh, like a Pat, Pat Mahomes, right? Like that is your, you know, Philip Rivers is going to get you points. And if Pat Mahomes, for whatever reason, just starts tearing the NFL, a new one, you've got him on roster or, you know, or you think that, you know, any of these rookies coming in are, are going to do the pull the trigger. Yeah. And a note on quarterbacks. If, if I don't pick the stud, I am waiting until 11 people have taken a quarterback. And if that happens to be the 12th round, that's when I'm picking them. And if people go nuts and people start picking their backup quarterback in the seventh round, well, then that's when I'm picking it up. But that's one of the drafts things that, 
I really enjoy about going QB late is if everyone keeps passing and passing and passing, that guy that you were willing to take in the seventh is still there in the 10th. And you've taken some better shots on, you know, running backs and wide receivers with upside. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes you get lucky like I did two years ago and I drafted Matt Ryan who had an MVP season in like the 10th round. Like he was my second quarterback that I drafted. So sometimes you just get lucky like that. Yeah. And and I guess I, and Philip Rivers is that perfect quarterback where it's like, you know what you're going to get from him because he just mm-hmm. does not get injured and he doesn't, there's not a lot of fluctuation in his production and that allows you to be able to take a risk or, or do whatever you want outside of that. He's going to throw like 3000 yards and 28 touchdowns. Right. Like that's just, just lock it in like, like clockwork. Um, mm-hmm. My second guy, and this is, I had originally Tariq Cohen in this slot, um, but I did a few more mocks and in and, and more mocks, this guy keep kept popping up. Uh, Rex Burkhead, the man of many names, sexy Rexy, touchdown a source Rex, uh, kept popping up in the middle of the eighth round. And in the first few drafts, I just kind of passed on him. And then he kept, kept showing up. And so I was like, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do some remembery situation research. Uh, and I want to stimulate my remembery. He scored eight total touchdowns last year, five on the ground, three through the air. I think the numbers are in his usage are going to vastly improve with Deion Lewis out of the picture. I think he's now, I would not surprise me uh, if he is the lead back in new England for all of next year, they love him. I think they know how to use him and they're going to get the best out of him in the eighth round in the middle of the eighth round. Yeah. I'll happily take touchdown of source Rex. Now that Deion Lewis has moved on, I will not draft Patriots running backs. Not because they're not good and not because they're not going to score, but that is just you are signing up for a ball-wrenching headache every Sunday. That's very fair. That is very fair, especially since they'll probably just throw a wrench in it all and draft some like running back, rookie running back in like the fourth or fifth round that suddenly breaks out. Or sign Jeremy Hill. Yeah. Oh, that's true. They just signed Jeremy Hill. God damn it. All right, so then I'm going to scratch all that. Tariq Cohen keeps appearing around the ninth and tenth round. Um, we touched on this before because I just think I think that he is going to be used beautifully in Matt Nagy's system. I think he is. This is a trust pick. This is me trusting Matt Nagy knows what he's doing, and that and that Tariq Cohen is going to be used in that Tyree Kill role as just kind of like a deep threat, speed threat, in and out of the backfield guy, just doing everything. So there you go. Scratch touchdown of Soros Rex. Scratch sexy Rexy. Uh, Tariq Cohen. That's the guy who I'm liking, who always keeps cropping up in like the ninth round. Yeah, I like Tariq Cohen in that last year, like in the beginning of the season, they they started talking about Tariq Owen or Tariq Cohen, sorry, possibly taking over a lot more reps from Jordan Howard. Um, but that was primarily when they were using him in like fun and exciting ways. And then when they started using him in more of a traditional, like boring eye formation back, then he wasn't as great. So I'm just like, let Tariq Cohen do Tariq Cohen things. Like, don't relegate him to, you know, your simple offense as a running back that's trying to help out Mitch Trubisky in checkdown situations. No, just get the ball to him on screens. Send him down the field. Send him across the field. Just do everything with Tariq Cohen. Yeah, I have a tough one with guys like that. He is incredibly talented and amazing. You're just counting on a lot of things to go right. And it can happen. But I'd, I'd rather just take a shot on a guy who 
has a shot at the full workload, even if that means I'm going to get it in three or four weeks. I just have a I just have a hard time drafting players like that. Yeah, for for, coach, me, for coaches that haven't shown that they can use them, of course. Right, and I guess for me, this is this is the prime time to take them because my thought is is that this is if if Matt Nagy is going to do anything with Tariq Cohen, this is the season he's going to do it with the least amount of surprise, if that makes sense in the fantasy community, right? Uh, or the least amount of upside that you have to now pay for um, in fantasy drafts. Clark, give us your number two. Uh, so my number two is. Someone going off the board at number 69. Nice. Ooh, very nice. Rookie running back. He's going to go number seven to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Nick Chubb. Mm. I've been watching a lot of the Chubb draft stuff. breakdown, and he looks like what I've seen in the past with some guys that that's just going to translate to the NFL. He runs to the right hole. He doesn't go down on first contact. He seems fast enough. He seems quick enough. And he seems like he just does enough well that when he gets picked by a team and everybody has two months to get excited, he's going to be that guy that someone in your league is going to take early in the third and just stomp around the room about they're the smartest person in the world. And, you know, sometimes that person is right and sometimes they're not. And this year with, uh, with Nick Chubb, they're going to be right. Yeah. I'm going to be very curious to see. And we'll be doing this in prep for the uh, for the NFL draft on faketeams.com. We'll be writing a whole bunch of uh, draft profiles or rookie profiles on these players. But I'm going to be interested to see where these running backs go because I think so much press has been given to Saquon Barkley uh, and, and well-deservedly. Rightfully so. Right. I mean, he's a phenomenal, amazing talent. But there's like there are a good number of running backs below him who are who are not his level of talent and and likely won't be taken until day two, but could certainly come in and have huge impacts in the fantasy world. I mean, we already seen it with the likes of Alvin Kamara and Kareem Hunt guys who are not these highly touted running backs coming into the league, really putting up drastic fantasy numbers. Yeah, we could be in for a oh man, Sammy Watkins is just head and shoulders above all of the other good wide receivers in this class, like Odell Beckham and Mike Evans and Allen Robinson. That's the kind of running back class that we're looking at here. Right. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot of talent that I think it could, uh, will drip down to day two in the draft. Um, but could still be very, very productive. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's not going to, I don't think we're going to see four running backs in the first round. I'd be surprised if we saw two. I'm just trying to be bold. Yeah. I like um, it. I really like Darius Geis as a rookie running back. Um, so I'm in a couple of dynasty leagues and I've been doing a lot of uh, big board work on these rookies the past few days. I have a, a big board of about 40 players right now and 11 of them are running backs. So it's it could be pretty deep. I think we could see at least three or four, maybe up to five and six be opening day starters depending on where they get drafted it's i feel like it's a pretty deep draft and it all kind of starts with nick chubb being one of those guys that you probably get in like the third or fourth round day two day three type of guy yeah i love it i love it oh and while we're on it man barkley all right if if you've just been reading stories and you think everyone's hyping this guy up too much go to draft breakdown and watch him it's it really amazing he yeah. he is just an absurd physical specimen in in just the size, speed, agility, quickness, and 
just what he brings to the table as a physical specimen is just miraculous. It's going to be such a shame to watch him disappear in Cleveland. I don't want it to happen. I know we said we did when we were GMs for the Browns, but now I don't want him. And I don't think they're going to. I think if you sign Carlos Hyde to that much money, I don't know if you're going Saquon Barkley. So I, I get that Saquon Barkley is a running back and, oh, you can get that kind of production at a lower level. You don't get that kind of production out of a generational talent. Like when you have a chance to get somebody like Saquon Barkley, who I think is going to be instantly one of the better backs in the league, you kind of just have to jump on it when you get the chance. Like if you're one of those teams that's picking higher up in the draft, like if you're maybe in Indianapolis, maybe if you're the Giants, if you feel like Eli's still got some time left, then you just you take a shot at a good running back who can just morph your entire offense and make it something truly insane. I think yeah. I, oh, I think he will be better than Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, any of those guys who everyone has touted coming into the league. I think he will be a better back than than all of them. Do you think the Rams regret using a high pick on Todd Gurley? I don't think so. <laughs> no, even even Leonard Fournette for what they wanted out of him turned out great. And I agree with your overall thought on or. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I agree that you can find extremely good running back talent later. Le'Veon Bell wasn't a top five pick, but when you just, nothing's for sure in the NFL draft, but when you just know you can at least hit a double in the top five, like just take it, just take the double and enjoy that running back for seven years. If Saquon Barkley is sitting at number six and the Colts don't take him, I will break my computer. I mean, they might have to. I don't see how he gets past Denver. Like, I don't see how yeah. he gets past Cleveland at four. Like, I, I understand not one, two, three. If if you're going quarterback, Could I get be it. Two. Who knows? The Giants. It's gonna be so much fun on draft night. It's gonna be so much fun. Uh, Jordan, give us your final guy who you're just super, uh, super invested in. So this guy isn't a late round pick by any means. Usually he's gone in the first round, but I love him so much. And I just really want to talk about him because I don't think he gets the respect that he deserves. One, Mr. AJ Green. I I love AJ Green. And if I am in like pick six through 12 or whatever, however big the league is, I'm hoping that I get a shot at AJ Green because I love AJ Green. And I think he... And maybe not in any particular order, but it's like Julio, uh, Antonio Brown, Odell, AJ Green, uh, random fifth wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. Keenan Allen, yeah. Hopkins. In, in no particular order, but AJ Green is up there. And he's just always going to be consistent, always getting you uh, points no matter what. Last year, he lost Marvin Jones Jr. opposite of him. He was still putting up points. Like Andy Dalton had a terrible year, but. AJ Green could still go out there and get you 140 yards and two touchdowns, no problem. And I love AJ Green. He doesn't get enough credit. I know he's in Cincinnati, and I kind of wish he was on a better team. He's almost like Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona. I just, I love AJ Green. I don't care. I want to talk about him all the time. <laughs> AJ Green, you talk about how kind of shitty his situation is, but I think it's perfect for fantasy people who want to draft him and are smart. Because especially this year, because last year was underwhelming because he got injured and he wasn't visually or statistically as as awe-inspiring as he has been in the past. And with all of these running backs who had huge fantasy years last year and everyone's going to 
have you know be all excited about i and a lot of the drafts i've done have seen if i have uh like the 10th or 11th pick i will take aj green right at the beginning of the second round i'll book it i'll book ends and go back to back and take like whatever kamara at 11 111 and then take aj green at 202 because i think you're going to get receivers pushed down into like the very start of that second round because of the run on running backs and especially in AJ Green's case because people are for whatever reason you know fantasy football everyone has a one year attention span and you forget the fact that AJ Green is a phenomenal receiver who can put up numbers with the best of them yeah I'm with you you make a very good point of we have very short attention spans as fantasy football players and you know last year in his down year aj green was 10th but right. we picked him in the, early in the second late in the first and so we were disappointed in his performance a la michael thomas like i had him this year and complained about him all year and then looked at the square i was like oh wait shit he's like really consistently <laughs> scoring for me he's having a very good year uh aj green is going 18 in mfl 10s so i am i am with you if you if i get aj green the you know Middle of the second round, I'm I'm strutting around the draft room offering beers to everyone because I've just won. And last year, all the rage, at least in you know on Twitter and in the fantasy community, was zero RB. So we're going to pick these wide receivers early because they're more consistent and they're going to get you better PPR points. And so everyone started drafting wide receivers early. And so the value became drafting running backs early. And I don't care what strategy it is. I like strategies, but I'm a bigger fan of taking what comes to you and this year pete like you mentioned we had a lot of great running back performances last year so now the top five six seven picks are going to be running backs and now is the time to go zero running back when everyone else is doing the traditional running back first when you can get odell beckham at six and then come back and get aj green at 18 that would be filthy worry about running back later yeah who cares so, about running back? You have two of the best wide receivers in fantasy football. It, it's look, the NFL is a passing league and it's deep. Like I get it. It's deep with wide, wide receivers, but at the same time, somehow it's very top heavy with wide receivers. Like you have your top guys that are just always going to give you consistent points. And if you do a full PPR and a half point PPR, you want the guy that is getting all the targets. And I, I we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I would rather have a consistent AJ Green over a Julio Jones who might blow up for like 22 to 25 points one week, but then drop like a seven the next week. Totally AJ, Green, AJ Green's just going to get you consistent double digit points, whether it's 11 or busting out for 18. He's just, he's just always there and he's, I like AJ Green. AJ Green, come on the podcast and talk to me. AJ Green, yes. <laughs> yeah, Julio's touchdown allergy really hurts him. But you're right. Even though, you know, wide receiver is deep, uh, you know, all the positions are deep. But my strategy basically when I'm doing a draft is I want an absolute stud. And that's why I always pick Gronk too early. Because, yeah, Gronk's probably not going to score as much as the wide receiver or running back that I could have taken there. But I'm going to win its tight end every week. And I'm confident that on the waiver wire and through trading, I can get good enough at the other positions to have my two or three guys dominate for me. And I think AJ Green is one of those guys, even if he is that kind of, if you want to be rude, kind of the back half of the top five, top six in the league. He's still one of the best wide receivers in the league. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it because he has the talent and he's being 
criminally undervalued. So I'm all horrible for it. year at number ten last year. At number ten. Uh, if he goes on. If he goes at eighteen, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. <laughs> well, he will in your Green Bay drafts, right? Exactly. Oh, probably. Yeah, I mean, Devontae be Adams is going to get picked before him. Randall Cobb's going to go before him. There's going to be a Ty Montgomery lover out there, you know. So. Yeah. Jimmy Graham is now suddenly going in the first round. Um, you just got to you got to draft with a whole bunch of homers and then just take reap the benefits. They just want a Packer to cheer for. Yeah. That's there you it. go. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm picking Deshaun Watson too early every oh draft this year. Oh, my God. But Deshaun Watson is totally respectable to pick way too early. Hey, Clark, guess what? So am I. <laughs> Everyone is going <laughs> to take Deshaun Watson too early. Oh, my God. That was the greatest waiver wire pickup I ever had. So there you go. There's some way too early fantasy football talk um, because we are a fantasy football podcast, and we do occasionally need to remind you, the avid listeners, that we do talk about these things. We oh, we cast out the mailbag. We threw it out there. We uh, put out the line, and we wait to see how many bites we got. Uh, we got one bite. So thanks, Patty. Thanks, Patty, for uh, for responding and giving us that. Everyone else, you suck. Patty Cooper of FakeTeams.com fame. Patty Cooper of FakeTeams.com fame. Man, that uh, guy does some great work. Folks, if some- you haven't read what Patty Cooper does, he is – I'm not – I know we – uh, volunteer for the same organization, but but I'm always surprised at the quality of work that Patty puts out there. So he's he's been doing, uh, and I think the next one, the next post is going to go up tomorrow. He's been starting a fake fake teams fantasy football hall of fame, um, and he just we just inducted the first three running backs into the hall of fame for fantasy. And next tomorrow is he's going to be publishing the wide receiver hall of fame um and so you can vote then on who gets inducted into that so make sure you do that on faketeams.com there you go patty you're welcome that's the kind of plug you get uh when you send into the mailbag anyway patty's question and uh jordan we'll start with you on this since you actually are in a dynasty league are there any top players you'd consider trading to move up for higher picks in the dynasty drafts Oh, this is actually good real life example because I've actually just executed a trade like this. Oh! I am in a 12 team league and I was at pick seven. So I was like a fringe. I made the playoffs, but I was just booted right away in the first round. I traded Marvin Jones Jr. and pick number seven to move all the way up to number three. And I'm hoping. I mean, it's no secret if my friends are listening to this podcast. Guess what, guys? I'm probably targeting a quarterback if I'm at number three. And um, that's what I'm hoping for. Just I already, like the Jets. Yeah, just like the Jets. <laughs> I like that. That's it. Marvin Jones, I think, is an excellent player who you can sell super high on because I just don't believe that he's going to put together a fantasy season like we saw last year ever again in his life. See, I think it's well-bought and well-sold, and I'm a Marvin Jones fan. I... You know your league, and every league is unique, and that's what makes mailbag questions tough, and that's why you can rail against what you heard some guys say. Picking a quarterback that high seems high to me, but again, I don't know your league. But if you're going to trade up to 103 in this year's draft, you won't be getting Saquon Barkley, but you'll be getting, like we mentioned, a fantastic running back. At 7, you might be taking the 7th running back. So I, I think that's very well bought and well sold to move up to the 103 yeah and uh, my top wide receiver is odell beckham so i'm kind of just you know waiting it out there i have uh we do a a development 
type of league too. So last year we drafted some players that were still in college. So I have Calvin Ridley coming in already. So hopefully he's a solid number one. And I have Derek Carr and Philip Rivers. But you know what? If Derek Carr doesn't get back to doing Derek Carr things, then I need a plan B. You see, that's what Debbie League changes everything. It, it's yeah it's the most fun ever though I, I am trying to trade draft picks it is a year-round thing and i love it so much that's awesome clark is there any veteran or any top players who if you were in the dynasty league you'd be willing to part with in order to move up in a draft I mean, trade questions in a vacuum are so tough i i wouldn't bother doing anything outside of the top three picks clark, if you don't have an answer then just say you don't have an answer <laughs> I don't have an answer. <laughs> Pete, why you got to call me out like that, man? I'm trying to... I'm shit. Like it's, it's really hard, too, because if you have a top player, you know or at least should know relatively what you're going to get from them year right. in and year out. And then if you trade them for a draft pick, you have to be just super confident in your scouting abilities to know that you're getting somebody or trading up to get somebody who's just going to be, uh, you know, home run pick like that quarterback has got to go to the right situation right everything's got to be perfect maybe if you want to trade up and go get saquon barkley but that's yeah you got i feel like you have to have a solid all-around team in order to part with the top player yep that's why i thought marvin jones was was a good a great example of someone who you're selling high on who probably won't reach that apex ever again but you're capitalizing and you're and you're moving some spots up for him so yeah and it was it was to a team that wants to compete now, so yeah. everybody wins. We gave you an answer and a shameless plug. That's a win for everyone. And a shaming. And a shame. <laughs> <laughs> got everything yeah. in that one. A shaming. You literally got everything you could have asked for, Patty. Um, let's finally wrap this up with kudos and pudos. I only have kudos today. I don't know if you guys have pudos. If we have pudos, we'll start with that. Uh, do either of you have pudos that you want to start with? Yeah, I paid my taxes yesterday, and since this is a family show, I will just leave it at that. Taxes suck. Yeah, I don't have any pudos. I mean, I feel like there's just a lot of stuff going on that's really negative, but you know what? I'm I'm, I'm trying to stay positive today. Oh, look at that. So then let's just, uh, we're just doing kudos. Uh, Jordan, let's start with you then. Let's Since you're trying to stay positive, give us your kudos for today. So my kudos for today, it's a little dated, but I want to give kudos to the Black Panther movie. Um, I, we talked about Michael B. Jordan already, but I want to talk about Black Panther because I went and saw it again over the weekend. How many times have you seen this movie? <laughs> just twice. Just twice. Oh, okay. That was my, only my second oh, okay. time. And I just want to say how great it is to have this sort of representation on the screen. And I mean, it. It literally gets, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie at all, but it gets me like just absolutely emotional when I see like the wide frame shots of like the African, probably Sahara or the safari. And it's just something that's great. And it's groundbreaking because I believe that it will uh, open doors for more, um, more diversity, more casting. Uh, for a little while there, A Wrinkle in Time, which was directed by an African-American woman director, um, the Black Panther and Wrinkle in Time were one and two. And I think that's fantastic. And Black Panther, I believe, is the 
highest grossing solo superhero movie of all time now it is and i think it's quickly approaching the avengers to take to take it over as just the single highest grossing superhero movie of all time yeah on monday it was like within 30 million dollars it's it is absurd it it got a billion dollars in 14 days i think or something like that it's it's just absolutely ridiculous but uh, i i love it that's my my kudos because i can't stop thinking about black panther this week so it's It's a phenomenal movie uh my kudos (laughs) Uh, this is this is a very very random kudos i was just stumbling around on the internet uh and i came across this clip uh of these two lions it's this per it's this dude in this car and he's filming on his phone he's filming these two lions just like I don't know where they are, just like walking past his car. And you're just like, holy shit, these two lions are like easily within 10, 15 feet of this dude's car. And then he's sitting in the passenger seat and he pans over and he sees his wife holding his baby. And the baby looks at the camera and then just projectile vomits everywhere. <laughs> I saw that, Jeff, and I I was like, where where are you going with this? What What is making this so funny? All of a sudden, the kid is just like, just just like and it's not even just like a little spit up it's like a like a full splashing of of just spit up everywhere oh my god it's like it, a waterfall of tapioca <laughs> it's so gross but it's so funny i saw that and i watched it like 15 times it was just crying laughing so there's my kudos for the day kudos to that video oh my god i thought that that was just absolutely hilarious well, you should have gone last, Pete. My Buddha or my kudos is for all the moms out there. My mom's coming to town this weekend. We're gonna barbecue. I'm gonna have some friends over. I'm really excited about it. I was a handful as a youth, and I am glad that both of my parents still talk to me. My mom kicks ass, and I know there's a lot of awesome moms out there. So, good job, moms. Kudos to the moms. What an excellent way to wrap up the podcast. No, that was the perfect way to do it. I shouldn't have gone last. You were perfect last, Clark. Kudos to all the moms out there. especially Shouts to all the mommies. Especially all our moms, since they are the only people who listen to this podcast. What up? Hi, Sorry. Mom. <laughs> um, so, there you go. Both some fantasy football talk and some mom talk. You're welcome. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week, obviously, with everything that will happen in between. Uh, who knows what it is. If you want to... Give us suggestions. We're just here generating content. If you want us to generate content specifically about your team or your thoughts, hit us up on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can uh, follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Make sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Give us five stars because you love us and because you love your mom. Um, Basically, I feel like that's the best way for us to get five stars. It's just if you love your mom, give us five stars. There you go. Um, That should be five stars from everyone. And uh, boom. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Look out there.